pain and sorrow and disability and struggle and disease. These have marked our existence. According to one source, cancer is the second leading cause of death globally and was responsible for an estimated 9.6 million deaths in 2018. Heart disease is said to be the number one cause responsible for 16% of the world's deaths. Over 30,000 people in the United States of America die every year in car accidents. And you know, friends, these are just death statistics. Suffering includes much more than death. Disease that ravages one's body or one's mind can simply devastate its victim and its family. If life, this life, were all we had, this would be a very sad state of affairs to dwell in. Too many people are trying to have their best life now. And if this is the best you have, I'm very sorry to inform you that what lies ahead for you is is a very horrific future. This world cannot provide the glory that awaits those who have become God's children. Let me say that again. This world cannot provide the glory that awaits those who have become God's children. Instead, the world provides pain and sorrow and disability. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you will. This life is filled with difficulties. As parents, we try to shield our children from this kind of pain. That's not reality. It's not reality. Eliphaz, as you remember, was a miserable comforter to Job. And while his miserable comfort was not very helpful, he did speak some words of truth, one statement of which is, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. It's recorded in Job 5.7. Solomon also spoke of the wearing down a person experiences as they age. These sorrows can really mount up. Aren't you glad you came this morning? That's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the discussion. Our passage this morning in Romans chapter 8 turns our pain on its head, it flips it around. God's Word promises commensurate glory to our trouble for every believer. It will be worth it all. It will be worth it all. This is true for every believer in Jesus Christ. I guarantee you, God's Word promises, 
And so I can speak with authority. God's Word tells you, whatever you face in this life, difficult, devastating, horrific even, it will be worth it all. God's Word stands written. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18, God's Word says this, For I consider that the suffering of this present time, sufferings of this present time, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Because we live in a fallen broken world we experience pain and suffering in this life believers are not exempt through our sin we have fallen short of god's glory but in god's mercy and grace believers are guaranteed to experience god's glory to share in god's Glory. We as believers have tasted this glory. For God has given us a first installment in the person of the Holy Spirit, the first fruits of our redemption, the first fruits of the glory that's going to be fully in bloom for us one day in the future. We eagerly long for the full, ceaseless experience of this glory. This morning as we navigate through this passage, as we study through this passage, we will note these things. Number one, present suffering prepares us for future glory. Secondly, present bondage prepares us for future freedom. Thirdly, present groaning prepares us for future glorification. And finally, present hope produces present patience. Our hope for the future, our confident assurance for the future produces within us right now a patience as we wait, as we wait patiently for God to bring to conclusion all of these promises of a full restoration of all things. So we want to navigate through this uh, with, in this way. Present suffering prepares us for future glory. Suffering comes in many forms. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings, sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Sufferings. 
cancer, disease, mental challenges, anxieties, distress, family challenges, relationship issues, societal issues, political pressures, job circumstances, financial woes, all of these elements of life. It's part of this life, not the next life. In the next, all of these things are absorbed. Absorbed. The reality is that none of the sufferings that a believer endures are meaningless. None of these sufferings are meaningless. God has purposes for our sorrowful, painful experiences. He has purposes both in this life and in the life to come. Both now and eternity, God is producing something. When we study Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30, not next week, but the week after, we will discuss God's plans of transforming us through the difficulties that we face. But here this morning, as we look at verses 18 to 25, we note that God is preparing for us a glorious future. He's preparing for us a glorious future. That glory is magnified by our current troubles. That's the promise of this passage. That the glory awaits. That's a promise to a believer. Glory awaits. And yet the sufferings make that glory exponentially more glorious. Paul doesn't say it just here, but he also says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Take a look there with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul speaking all through 2 Corinthians about his challenges that he's faced in ministry. He really bears his soul to the church of Corinth, speaking about the, the hardships that he endured for the sake of the Gospel. In this passage, he talks about how he bears in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. That he suffered time and again. But then as we, he gets to the end of that portion of his discussion, he tells the Corinthians, and he tells us how he navigated successfully through turmoil. Look at verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. From now on, therefore, excuse me, that's chapter 5, verse 16 of chapter 4, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. How often? Day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. What does it say next? Beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Do you, believer, just pause for, for a second. Do you know that you're going to see Him face to face? Who's Him? Paul? You might see Him too, but that's not the glory of heaven. I'm not waiting to see Paul when I get there. I'm not waiting to see some other person when I get there. I want to see the face of the One 
who hung on the cross for me, bearing my sin, bearing my guilt, bearing my condemnation, who lovingly laid his life down for me, I will look at him and see him face to face, eye to eye. I will enjoy for eternity this intimate, personal fellowship, unhindered by anything. Listen, all the pain will be gone. All the sorrow will be replaced with joy. All the emptiness will be replaced with satisfaction. We will never, never long for anything ever again. Oh, I can't wait till next week because I'm doing... I can't wait till next week because I'm going to... Next month because... Next year because 2020 will be over. 2021 will be over. The coronavirus will finally be over. No, there'll be some other problem. What are you going to wish today away? Really? What are you accomplishing by wishing today away? One day, we won't even have that as part of our human inclination. It'll be permanent joy. Permanent peace. Permanent. soul gets weary. Your inner man churns. But when you see Him face to face, rest. That's the promise of this passage. It will be worth it all. Sorrow is gone. Eternal satisfaction, eternal joy, eternal peace. This is the promise that God made has made to all of his children. Because we know that this experience of God's glory awaits us, we can endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We can endure suffering. We can endure temptation. We can endure turbulence because we know what awaits us. Present suffering prepares us for future glory. Secondly, as we head back to Romans chapter 8, present bondage prepares us for future freedom. Romans chapter 8, present bondage prepares us for future freedom. You see, we know how we feel about the difficulties of this life. And what God does is He lets us into a world that we would have no idea about if He didn't inform us. Have you talked to the earth lately? I'm one with the universe. So what do you have to say today? Has anyone given a psychological evaluation of the creation? How do you feel about how things have gone? None of us would be able to know other than God revealing to us what He reveals to us in verses 19 and following. Look at what He says, beginning in verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption 
and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The creation is looking forward to the consummation of all of God's plans. Because the creation was there. I wasn't. The creation was there when God spoke to Adam and Eve and the serpent about the curse. And the creation knew the change that took place from perfect harmony and function to being cursed by sin that had tarnished its existence. And there's been struggle in God's created universe ever since. Take a look at, with me at Genesis chapter 3. The creation, it says, is waiting with eager longing. Eager longing. Paul is piling up words that demonstrate an anticipation in even a desperation. The earth is waiting. The creation is waiting. But it's not just waiting. It's waiting with an eager anticipation. There's a, a, almost a desperation. When will I be set free from the bondage that I experience every day? You know, science has a term for this. It's called the second law of thermodynamics. Everything is decaying, waxing worse. It's getting worse. And we see it. And we experience it. It's disease and defect. It's the way that the earth cooperates with the farmer. We see it. These things we're aware of. What is creation waiting for? It's waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for God to reveal that all of God's children are actually God's children. You see, we know that we're the children of God. We know that we've been born again, right? You have the Spirit of God dwelling within you and He bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. You know it. And probably believers around you know it. But your neighbor doesn't know it. And what happens, one day, it'll all be unveiled. God will reveal who are His. Who belong to Him. The redeemed of the Lord will be self-evident. They'll be declared to be the children of God. It'll be obvious. And the creation is waiting for this revealing of the sons of God. Why? Because when the children of God are revealed, so also will the curse be turned on its head. What is the creation so eagerly waiting for? It's, it's waiting for the same consummation that we wait for because when we are released from our bondage to sin and our bondage to decay, it will also be released from its bondage to sin and its bondage to decay. It's been subjected to futility. But who subjected it? Who subjected it to futility? God did. He subjected it to futility at the moment that Adam and Eve sinned. And He declared that subjection to futility in responding to Adam and Eve's sin. Take a look at Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? You remember what happened, right? They, they, they were afraid after they sinned. And they, they made themselves some some fig leaf coverings. Can't imagine that process. Glad I didn't have to do that. And they hid themselves. This will work. He won't find us now. 
Well, that's because they didn't really have quite enough information, apparently, in their brains about who God is. You ever try to hide from God? Good luck with that. The night and the light are the same to him. He's not afraid of the dark. And when you turn the lights off, he still sees. Oh, you can run really, 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 really fast, but can you run as fast as the sun? The sun rises and its rays shoot across the hemisphere, the horizon. Can you run that fast? No. God made all that. You can't get away from Him. He's everywhere. Where are you? And He said, I heard the sound of your voice of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman... (laughs) Oh, how lowly. (laughs) It's my wife's fault. (laughs) The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree. And what else could I do? Couldn't be helped. I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, oh, I know, it's not me. The devil made me do it. The serpent deceived me and I ate And the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Uh, You uh, Cursed, excuse me. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it the creation, the ground, shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. You shall return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. God, in response to man's sin, subjected the creation to futility. But He subjected it. Remember? It's kind of awkward in our translation because it comes at the end of a verse, comma, in hope. He subjected it in hope. The, hope, the creation in hope was subjected to futility. But what was it, what's the hope? That it would be set free. There is a setting free coming. God's promise came at the same time that the curse came. Now, what kind of freedom is the world going to experience? I want to reference a few and turn to a few passages that will help us. You can turn to Isaiah 11, but I want to reference a few on your way there. So, um, as you're turning to Isaiah 11, I want to reference, first of all, Isaiah 65:17, which says this, For behold, I, God, create new heavens and a new earth, And the former things, the cursed things, shall not be remembered or come into mind. 
He said the same thing through John in Revelation chapter 21. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Listen carefully. For the former things, former things have passed away. The subjected to futility things will come to an end. They'll be remembered no more. The creation is looking forward to obtaining freedom. Freedom. Freedom from what? Bondage. Bondage to what? Decay. Disease. Thorns and thistles. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 11, beginning in verse 6. This is a reference to the renewing of our world. Righteousness in verse 6. Five, righteousness shall be on the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Verse 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. How would that work today? Hungry wolf, juicy lamb. How's that going to go? We all know the end of that story. But in this future day when the curse is lifted and the creation has obtained freedom, the freedom of the children of God, the wolf shall lie down with the lamb, excuse me, the, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Can you imagine this? You've seen those pictures when there's you know a child that gets inside of the gate at one of the zoos next to a deadly creature. You've seen People coming to the aid of the child. Sometimes devastation ensues. You know, you know all about this, right? But in this day that is to come, a little child will lead a, a lion. My wife wants to rub the belly of a lion. I don't know. She has issues. <laughs> I have issues. She has issues. Somehow, the Lord has granted us grace to dwell with one another. Also, she's looking forward to being in this scene where she can rub the belly of a lion. A little child will lead these deadly creatures. Verse 7, The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall, weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's, in, on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see the, the reverse of the curse? From bondage to freedom. We see it also in Ezekiel. Take a look at Ezekiel. You're in Isaiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. If you get Daniel, take a left. Ezekiel 34 See, these are promises of God. And they have a wonderful application to our lives because, you know, every day we experience the turmoil of the creation being subjected to bondage. Every day. The cost of crops is higher because of the difficulty of the earth producing. The, the difficulty of disease produces the need for medicines and vaccinations and stuff that people think are controversial because one person thinks this way and another person thinks that way. All of this impacts our society every single day. This will come to an end. 
The creation was subjected to futility, but it was subjected in hope of freedom. The freedom is to come. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 25. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I will send down the showers in their seasons. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase and they shall be secure in the land and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproaches reproach of the nations and they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they the house of Israel are my people declares the Lord and you are my sheep human sheep of my pasture and I am your God declares the Lord God promise promise of of being set free from bondage this is good it's spoken of in in Acts chapter 3 as the times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord. There will be a restoration of all things that God spoke through the prophets in in Acts chapter 3. While our current world is broken, the creation is waiting to be set free. It will be freed from the curse one day when our Savior rights all the wrongs and restores to perfection His glorious creation. In the meantime, in the meantime, excuse me, Back in Romans 8.22, there is a groaning. There's a groaning. Can you feel it? Does your body groan? Does your inner man groan? Let's head back to Romans chapter 8. Things are not as they should be. Disease still ravages our existence. But the creation groans in hope. Which leads us to our third main consideration from Romans chapter 8 this morning. Present groaning prepares us for future glorification. Look at verses 22 and 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our body. Groaning together in the pains of childbirth. A uh, question for you. What is on the other side of labor pain? New life. New life. I remember the births of all of my children very well. But if you wouldn't mind, let me stroll down memory lane back to Wednesday, January 16th, 2002. I had on a white with green vertical striped shirt and a tie ready to preach a Bible study or teach a Bible study to our teens on Elmwood Avenue. And then 
we had to head off to the hospital. My wife began the process of labor. And so we headed off to women and infants, went into a room, and things started going haywire. She started to have a tetanic contraction, and her heart rate started soaring, and our baby inside of my wife's womb was stressing. And so a bunch of me, uh, medical people swarmed into the room and injected my wife with something, and finally things kind of settled down, and then we went off to the labor ward because they were going to induce labor. All right, so we're in the labor room, and everything's going great, and having so much fun, having a little party while my wife struggled there. I'm not going to give you all the details of all the fun things that were going on, but as we came to the end of this delivery story, the doctor began to panic, and he yelled out, we need some help in here. It was amazing, like a little swarm Seven or eight medical personnel came into the room, got in position, I backed out of the way, and a few minutes later, the baby comes out, little Alexis. But we're waiting. What are you waiting for when a baby comes out? No cry. No cry. Ah. Crying. Oh, I've never been so happy to hear crying in my whole life. But they swooped her off into another room because she had a little trouble. After a little while, as we waited and anxiously for her to come out, they brought her out all swaddled, put her into my arms. My wife was being attended to. I was rocking her back and forth. And we sang, Jesus loves you. Finally, my wife was ready and I was able to put Alexis into her arms. And all the labor pain, all the struggle, the, the trauma of those moments, it's like it, it goes away. And it had to have, because we had five more. Or four more, excuse me. Four more. It had to have gone away. There are no more coming. Stop it. The birth pains led to tremendous joy. So the creation waits through these birth pains, but there's something coming. New. New. I will make all things new. New life. New hope. Settled. Peace. Joy. Newness. The creation waits through these birth pains. But we also wait. Look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, the ones who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. We wait. Inward groanings. And, and we've tasted. Have you tasted the first fruits of the Spirit? Oh, what does that taste like? It's It's mystical. It's mystical. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are obvious demonstrations of the Spirit's fruit. And, and to our hatred in this society that we live in, there's love. 
and to the turbulence of our society, there's peace. And to the sorrow that, that overwhelms us, there's joy. And to the, the anxiety and angst and, and impatience with one another, there's God's long-suffering. The first fruits. We've tasted the first installment of glory. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Have you experienced His grace? And yet we, having tasted all of this, we still groan inwardly. Don't you? Don't, don't lie. Don't, oh, everything's great. Never have a problem. Every day is better than the last. Well, you have no problems. That's not true. That's not true. Don't fake it till you make it. Be honest. These are real pains. Inward groaning, but we've tasted. And because we've tasted that first installment, we look forward with eager anticipation to the full experience of God's glory and the completion of His work in us. We look forward to the finishing of our ad adoption fully bloomed, which is the redemption of our bodies. Listen carefully. Here and now, we are putting off the deeds of the body. Remember that? The sinfulness, those the urges within you? Here and now, we are putting off the sinful passions of the body through the powerful working of God's Spirit who dwells in us. But there and then, our bodies will be fully redeemed our flesh will finally be put off entirely. We will never again rebel against God. We will never again distrust God. We will never again seek our treasure and our pleasure outside of God Himself. We will be completely sanctified we will be completely glorified. This is guaranteed by the work of God Himself. He is faithful who promised. He will complete the work that He started. It is so certain that in just a few verses, verse 30, Paul will tell us that we are already glorified. That's how certain it is. Do you feel glorified? Do you feel like you share every moment in God's glory? You ever been gluttonous? <laughs> At least one honest person in here. <laughs> you ever been covetous? Lustful? This is showing us that we have not experienced the fullness of that glorification, but God speaks of it as a, as a finished reality because His work is certain. He will complete His work in us. Present groaning prepares us for future glorification. Do you believe this? Do you believe there's a day coming when you will not sin again? You will not long for the wrong thing again? In fact, you will not long for anything again because you will be completely, entirely satisfied from that moment forever. It's the glory that is to come. It is our hope. It is our confident expectation the completion of these promises is still future. For if it were present, it would not be hope. Hope 
has a great impact on our mindset. And we're just going to take a couple more minutes and do this last point. Back in Revelation, uh, Romans chapter 8, present hope produces present patience. Look at verses 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In this hope, confident expectation, we were saved. The salvation that we have been offered has its final goal in eternity with God. This is our ultimate hope. God told Abraham that he, God, was his exceeding great reward. God is the reward. This final destination where peace and joy and glory reside, it's still future. That's why we're waiting for it. This hope, confident expectation, produces within us an ability to tolerate our current struggles. God is producing patience within us as we endure suffering, as we experience, experience remnants of our bondage, as we feel the inward groaning because we know what lies ahead. I want you to listen to this discussion recorded in John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress. Now, I've done you this favor. The words of prudence I put on the screen. I didn't put all the words that I'm going to read on the screen. Just prudence question so that you can follow this conversation without me having to awkwardly go back and forth. Ready? Then prudence thought good to ask him, Pilgrim uh, Christian, a few questions and desired his answer to them. Prudence asked... Do you not think sometimes of the country from whence you came? He says, yes, but with much shame and detestation. Truly, if I had been mindful of that country from whence I came out, I might have had opportunity to have returned. But now I desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Well, do you not bear away with you some of the things that then you were conversant with all? Yes, but greatly against my will, especially my inward and carnal cognitations with which all my countrymen as well as myself were delighted. But now all these things are my grief. The things that used to be my desires. They're now my grief. And might I but chose mine own things, I would choose never to think of those things more. But when I would be doing of that which is best... That which is worst is with me. The next question she asks, Do you not find sometimes as if those things were vanquished, which at other times were your perplexity? Oh, yes, but that is but seldom. But they are to me golden hours in which such things happen to me. Her next question, Can you remember by which means you can find your annoyances at times as if they were vanquished? Yes, when I think of what I saw at the cross, that will do it. And when I look upon my broidered coat, that will do it. And when I look into the roll that I carry in my bosom, that will do it. And when my thoughts wax warm about whither I am going, that will do it. And what is it that makes you so desirous to go to Mount Zion? Listen carefully to this, and this is recorded for you on the screen. Why, there I hope to see him alive that did hang dead on the cross. 
And there I hope to be rid of all those things that to this day are in me an annoyance to me. There they say there is no death. And there I shall dwell with such company as I like best. For to tell you truth, I love him. Because I was by him eased of my burden. And I am weary of my inward sickness. I would fain to be where I shall die no more. And with the company that shall continually cry, Holy, holy, holy. My brethren, it will be worth it all. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. All of the pain will be healed and forgotten. All of the sorrows will be replaced with eternal joy. All of the turbulence will be replaced with eternal peace. All of the disorder will be replaced with eternal harmony. All of the striving of our souls will be replaced with eternal rest. Jesus has come. Come to Me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the promise. Brothers and sisters, keep looking to the end while you endure the troubles of this life. Let the world around you see that the fruit of the coming day has broken into this present turbulent world. The world about us can see in us and through us the fruits of the glory that we will enjoy throughout all of eternity. Let the world see God's joy in you. Let the world see God's peace in you. Let the world see God's rest in you. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Perhaps there are some today here that have not tasted the first installment that God has given to His children. The first installment of this glorious future. God has done all that is necessary to provide you with that opportunity. He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die and to bear our sin, debt, and guilt and condemnation on the cross. If you will recognize yourself to be a sinner, admit to God that you're a sinner, and call out to God to save you, He will do that. It is His delight to save sinners based upon the work of Jesus Christ, His Son and our Savior. You can be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Call upon the name of the Lord today. You will have a first installment of the glory that is to come. The bondage you feel every day will be swallowed up in comparison to the glory that is coming because we know that day is still coming and it will come. Maybe it's even knocking at the door. Glory is coming. Are you ready? Let's pray.
Father, help us to know that Your promises are sure. Give us patience to endure day in and day out until that day comes in its consummation. Help us to rejoice in all You have done and are doing. And Father, let the world around us see that You have vanquished death and sorrow and disease. That day will come into its full bloom. Help them to see in us the first fruits of that redemption. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.